You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. Assalamu alaikum. Dr. Nadeem Bhatti here and here we are for the first program of the series Journey to Success. So alhamdulillah as my first guest I want to welcome somebody who is well known to everybody in the Glasgow community and like most really famous people he only needs one name and you know not Madonna not Bono but uh, we have today with us Rizzi uh who everybody knows and of course his real name is Rizwan Mohammed is that right that is correct because yes. i actually don't know if that's your real name because everybody knows you as Rizzi uh, i don't think any, does anybody even call you Rizwan well it's strange what you should say that because um i first i was with the shade one the jimsalam man there he must allow to come to yourself thanks for having me here as you know i was quite reluctant to to do this sure. but alhamdulillah i'm doing it for obviously our friendship and if somebody can get something out of this, so that's our objective. Um, but to answer your question in relation to Rizwan, um, no, nobody really calls me Rizwan. Nobody calls you Rizwan. Um, only, when I, only when I go to court for speeding, I usually get called Rizwan <laughs> Mohammed, but that's the only time I do it. Even my mum, when she'll say to somebody, yeah. I'm Rizwan's mum, nobody knows who it is, she'll say, eh, I'm Rizzi's mum, and then it's usually sort of Sada Rizzi, Apna Rizzi. Apna Rizzi. Which, which, alhamdulillah, is, a, is a quite a beautiful thing, because for somebody to call you Sada Rizzi, Apna Rizzi, I think that shows because that reflects the work that you do in in the community and it's very much your journey has kind of almost been very much with other people and other other members of the community. Yeah, yeah alhamdulillah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, talking about that, I mean, with this show, we often, you know, we want to know, you know, what people's early childhood was like. So, I mean, you um, have been... If you don't mind me saying, you've been around a wee while. <laughs> right. So tell me a bit about your early childhood. Because you grew up, you would have grown up in what, the... the 80s, 70s and 80s. Yes. 70s and 80s, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe um, more of the 70s. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. So okay. what was that, what was it like growing up for you? I, I mean... I, I Young that, Asian lad. I, 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 what I would say is um, childhood was obviously very difficult and it was difficult for everybody in that era, I would say. Money was very, very tight. Things were, even opportunities were, were very limited and things like this. So, you, you know, there was certainly not a lot to do. Um, even TV wasn't that great, if you can imagine. Entertainment wasn't a lot. Yeah, I not. remember TV, some of the younger viewers might not realise that... Um, in those days, it was black and white TV. Well, you know, I mean, it just talks about TV. I remember, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean and, and we were a comfortable family. We had two TVs, and one TV sat on top of the other TV. Out of one TV, we used to watch it, and to get the sound, we used to get, it used to come out the bottom TV. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, I, I remember the thing about the, the TVs. We had four buttons. And you pressed one button and the other three buttons came out. That's right. And that's then you good. press the other that's button right. and the other three buttons would come out. Exactly. But there you go. That's it. But uh, So yes, things were things were difficult for us. Yeah, for, yeah. for for everybody. So so you so you grew up in the in the early seventies and uh, did you have a big family? Uh, I was uh, uh, the one in the middle, you know, the one that nobody has any time for or any love for. Middle child. Two above, middle child, yeah. two above, two below. Okay, okay. 
And uh, I mean, what, what was your day spent? Like, what kind of activities did you have to, to keep yourself busy with? I, well, do you know something? I was, I was always, um, I loved building. Mm. I used to love working with wood. I used to love working with Meccano. Um, my favourite toy was Lego. You know, Lego, Meccano, f uh, Fisher Technique stuff. So anything along these lines, I was always building things. And you know, you know, when I used to build something, people mm. would go, how did you do that? You know, so it was, I was quite good with my hands. Um, so it was quite dextral, in other words. Fantastic. And, um, and that's interesting because you still have an interest in building, but it's like real buildings and construction. You've still got an interest in that, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, do you know, it's strange because I, I always see myself, uh, I used to see myself as a builder. Um, as a kid, as I say, I played with Lego or whatever. Later on, I was I was building, um, you know, uh, I was building things like pro, you know clinics, or I was building properties or port property portfolios or or whatever businesses or anything. But I always find that I always looked upon as, myself as, as like being a builder, and then mm. alhamdulillah onto building communities. So that's the way I always used to look at it. And even when I was with a patient, I always looked at myself that what I was doing was building their life. Mashallah, fantastic. Well, um, this is a uh, with journey to success. We are we're focusing on people who have achieved success in their lives, but also retained their faith and still are practicing. But what I what I was quite surprised to hear about you um, was that in the early days there was a gang in Glasgow in Polk Shields called the Yoi Gang. And and when I when I first moved to Polk Shields, this is about nineteen seventy six, we had all sorts of legends about this Yoi gang. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing was, I never actually met any of them. But they were doing all sorts of things. And then somebody told me that you were actually a member of them, <laughs> or or were you a founder member even? <laughs> so t I mean, tell I, so I can't believe that I'm finally. I feel as if I've cornered the yeti or something is like a creature that didn't know existed a member of the yoy but here you are you were actually a member of the yoy so tell us a bit about that oh right okay so in the days we all sort of gang together right and um, as i said things were very difficult in the days and there was a lot of prejudice about then right. uh, as it is now believe it or not there was a time we it was very low i also believe as well but anyway at that time there was an awful lot of it around and um, and what it was, was was a group of us that we got together and we formed this thing called the yoy so it was called YOY, and it stood for Young Olympic Youths, right? Believe it or not, Young Olympic Youths. It was not meant to be a gang or anything like. So it was almost like a community project. It was more. <laughs> hi, it was more. It was more like a sort of little club. Boys get together. Let's run. Let's do this. Let's do throw javelin. You know things like this. So it was more to do with you know youth doing. Um, uh, uh, keep fit, things like that, and and things like Aikido and you know uh, martial arts and things like this. So that's what the, the, it was sort of set up. And after that, what happened was it grew arms and legs mm. as things happened, and then it for it, it, it evolved into a, a gang and so on. But let me also add, I mean, it wasn't like a, a gang gang that went out and did all these terrible evil things. They were always very. Uh, what was the what was the most evil thing you got up to? <laughs> not, not, not listen to our mum and dads, you know. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Uh, all right. I won't go into that too much yeah. then. But no, I. Well, the funny thing was, we. I mean, I come to think of yeah. it. I mean, what we did used to do was we used to. Um, what we used to do was. Uh, I shouldn't be saying this in radio, but what we did used to do, what we used to do was steal our, our you know, our dad's keys for their car. Uh, right, yeah, right. and then we used to take them, get all the boys in, and we used to take a wee run around the block and then put, put the keys back. I, I heard a strange rumour that uh, 
um, when there'd be entertainment shows, they'd get a phone call saying, if you don't give us free tickets, we're going to destroy your show. Is there, is there any truth in this or is this... Well, I think there could be something there. It could yeah. be something there. Yeah, okay. yeah, it could okay. be something there. Yeah, we certainly had an influence, we'll say. Okay. Well, no, but so, would you would you say that that almost sounds as if that's like a kind of, like an early community project, like something that you kind of got folk together and yeah, actually... Yeah, we certainly galvanised people for doing good. I mean, don't get me wrong, we never did anything that was evil. We, if anything, you know, we all came together and we were very respectful. And, you know, if you've seen somebody's mum, you know, humping their, their messages, we would take them up the road for them, put them at the door and things like this, you know. So we were really quite helpful in the days as well. Okay, okay. Well, look, you, you know, like... Uh, but they're not to be messed with either, let me no, also add, yes. good. Well, okay, well... You, you did tell me an interesting story though about um, I don't know if you want to share this on radio about something in a in some kind of then don't ask me some, no well, <laughs> okay, okay, about, about this about this uh, bouncer that was giving you some hassle or something because it reminded me a bit of the Malcolm X story where the guy gets beaten up and he gets taken to the police station and then he brought in all these this kind of army of people would you want to share that, that yeah I mean I think it was just influence there you know it was a question of like a wee bit like the Godfather, I think you know. If I gave the command, it would happen, and if I didn't give the command, it wouldn't happen, you know. But there again, we were there to to hold our ground. Right. And okay. It, okay. You want to and, list and and defend the underdog. Right. Okay. So the 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 Yoy gang was a bit a bit about coming together and and defending the underdog and and doing things that. Yeah. Yeah. That that kind of um um. Let's say benefited society, <laughs> society right? Okay, in an inadvertent okay. way. In an, okay, okay, um, okay. So, I mean, with the you know everybody's parents, obviously huge influence on them, and I know that uh, your mum. You've often talked about your mum just in in sort of personal time, and she's been a huge influence on you. But what, what do you think is the, the sort of main thing that you've got from her or learnt from her? Uh, oh, many qualities. Me and my mum I, I always uh, had a very, very close relationship. I was always there for her during her difficult times and she was always there for my, me mm -hmm. during my difficult times. Um, you know, very, very much like, you know, best friends, that kind of thing. Me and my mum could talk about anything and as I say, we had a very good relationship, you know, right down to things like, you know, when she, uh, when she was um, going for her first hudge, it was myself that sent her, and, you know, she was all scared about going and things like this. But, you know, I mean, there was many, many things during her life that are, that are staggered there that was always me and my mum together, even now, what, you know. What, what do you think is the main thing you've picked up from her? I think her, I would probably say her spirituality and doing yeah. good. You know, okay. my mum would be up there in Clarkson. She's got somebody way over there uh, suffering from cancer in her sick bed. So what, what my mum would just uh, prepare a meal for her and uh, she would then get on a bus and then take it all the way from Clarkson or right down to the West End, feed it to her and then come back. You know, so doing good deeds. My mum, very, very generous woman that way. Okay. Um, will never say no to anybody. Inshallah. Okay. Um, She's also got a great sense of humour. Uh, which uh, you've obviously picked up. Yeah, absolutely. My mum's a great sense of humour. She'll hear a joke, she'll love it, she'll love it. And she'll st she couldn't stop laughing at it. She'll try and tell her friends it, but she can't tell it because she'll keep on laughing. Right. <laughs> Spoil the whole joke with me good, also. Good, good, fantastic. Well, Rizzy, I mean, obviously I've known you for a wee while. And uh, when I met you first, um, 
I, I think you're the first psychotherapist uh, from our kind of background that I'd, I'd yeah. come across. But what I was amazed to find out was you've had a whole history of other jobs. Uh, and uh, what I was really quite fascinated to hear was that you actually had your own restaurant at one time. Uh, how did that come about? And how the transition from that to psychotherapy? So I've got to ask you, first of all, how did you get into the restaurant business? Well, in the restaurant business, I think it was one of these things, you know, when, when I left school, um, you know, I, I studied hotel and catering management, right? Right. So I, um, and I got a wee bit, I enjoyed the catering trade. Also, the reason there was because when I was a student, you know, in the days, uh, you had to, you know, you had to work as well. Yes. So I remember I used to, I used to work in restaurants, uh, all jobs um, in restaurants, right? So anyway, and, and enjoyed the buzz of the and, and quite most people, most Asian kids, most Pakistani kids, definitely. It was almost like a rite of passage, wasn't it? Spending oh. about time in the restaurant. Oh, I, I mean, either I, as a waiter or whatever. Exactly, exactly. So it was, it was just sort of part of, part of growing up that you had to, to work to pee your way. And that's yeah. where it was. And that's how I ended up there. So I had that wee uh, element to it anyway. But also... Um, my my granddad when my granddad went to Pakistan to get married, my dad my granddad was over here and you know he was he was a businessman and he was he you know he, was, he, he didn't very well, uh, and then he went to Pakistan to get married and when he went to Pakistan to Lahore he got married he decided to take his wife uh, his newlywed to honey for honeymoon yeah. to Agra in India to the Taj Mahal and he managed to get a visa he did and then <laughs> yeah. he got it in the yeah. water so anyway he loved it enjoyed it and what he did was when he came back he brought this huge absolutely gigantic uh, marble Taj Mahal That's right. and everybody's what are you going to do you couldn't even hump this thing how big was, so, how big was, was this huge. thing huge I mean people used to stay in rooms room kitchens this was the side half the side of half a room or something like that it was right, huge, right 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 really really big but um, the following year he opened up uh, the Indian restaurant the Taj Mahal and I believe it was like did, did he, did he buy that with the idea that he was going to open up a restaurant? Of course, of course. Right, right. He had this. He had this, He was a visionary. He was right. a visionary. He had this vision of opening an Indian restaurant. You've seen it. I'll go back to to Glasgow. I'm going to open an Indian restaurant and in Park Road. He opened up the Taj Mahal. And now, the this is this is this is one of the first. In your restaurant in Glasgow, Glasgow, yeah, and it was a showpiece. So when you walked into the sort of foyer area, right, uh, the vestibule area, just there as you'd walk in reception area, you seen this big beautiful Taj Mahal, and it was oh, you know, so it had that wow factor. And this this was in part. So this would have been circa what nineteen. 19- Oh, this was, this was this was before my time. So this was very early on, early fifties. I would have said something. You think like, early fifties? I think was the, early fifties. So, yeah, so this yeah. would have been, I would say, pretty much, I not if not the first, almost the the, the at least the first, yeah, third oldest restaurant. Sure. Well, in well, I believe Jamil's was the oldest. And I think Taj Mahal was the second. Right. Okay. I mean, I don't think I remember. And I think Shish Mahal is the first one. Yeah, that Shish I Mahal remember in my memory. The corners competition. Yeah. Right. Okay. Seen you doing so well. And what, what kind of what kind of dishes did they oh, serve? Indi- up? Just Indian just dishes, you know. Uh, obviously, I was very very small. Do you know what I mean? So uh, was it successful? Did it, it was very carry successful. On? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, well. Uh, so and then, but but then, how did you get into the restaurant business? Because you had your own restaurant, is that right? Yeah, I had my own for a little while as well. Um, I enjoyed the buzz. It was a, you know, it was, it was 
doing good. It was well, but you know, I don't think that was my forty in life. Ah, right, okay. But so, was it a case of just something you fell into? Do you think at the time, or? Uh, yeah, it was just something that was easy to do, and that was <laughs> right. it. Ah, you know, oh, you know, just like follow it. Wake up one morning, follow the North Star. I, I, I can't believe you'd have just done it as just something. I'm sure you'd have brought your own twist to it. <laughs> um, you know, um, okay. So you you did that, and then how did you end up? Did you go into psychotherapy straight after that, or was that where, yes. where did the where did the light bulb moment come yeah, on? That this I, is something I, 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 I remember. Okay, it's a long story, and I'm not really wanting to bore you with all the details. But it was just, um, I think it was my calling. That's the easiest way to put it. It was my calling to enter into the healing faculties, and I went on a mission and a mission, and a mission was just to learn all about it. And then I was in, studying in London, and I studied psychotherapy there. I studied psychoanalysis there. Um, I a, a whole host of different things down there, and it was really a question of just getting as many um, certificates and diplomas and uh, qualifications under my belt so that I could practice up here. And um, but you know I, I did go through it, but what I remember one thing that that springs to mind. I remember in London, and one of the things was when you become a psychoanalyst, you have to go through your own analysis. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't practice. Otherwise, it's what we call projection and transference. So I remember going through that, and it was it was one of the most difficult things that I ever did in my life. Mm -hmm. Very very difficult. And um, but after it, I remember running through the streets of London and not wanting to take the subway back. You know, I didn't want to do it. I felt that light. I felt like a an eagle, and I was running through the streets as if I was on LSD or something. An eagle, you see? Yeah, and that's where if you look on my letterheads and my business cards, and you know, my logo has always been the eagle. And uh, that one was reason I could because I felt that you have to, as an eagle, you can fly to great heights, and at the same time you can look straight into the sun. At the same time, you you can look straight down and see a fish in the water or a mouse in the field. But but also a therapist needs that kind of foresight so that they can they can see that in a patient and get in there and pluck out that neurosis. And that's mm -hmm. where that came from. So uh, that's. Uh, that's no, that's interesting because I've seen that eagle logo come up time and again. Yeah, in my clinic you'll see them. A lot of my presence, a lot of my presence. Yeah, you know, from my patients when they hear that, they usually go and buy me a crystal eagle or buy me an eagle or you know something like that. Right. And um, you know, and obviously you, everybody knows you. You're you're you are a practicing Muslim uh, to this day. And then part of the ethos of this program is that it's not just about having success and having lots of money. It's about having success in ideas, but still retaining your faith. And, uh, you, mashallah, have done that and you do a lot to go out there and propagate your faith, um, and bring people together. One of the things I wondered about your work as a psychotherapist, and we were talking about this before earlier on, is that, you know, psychotherapy is, you know, it's an intensive thing. It's, you know, you, you, you learn about what really makes people tick. And, you know, you could have somebody who's the most pious person on the outside. But as a psychotherapist, you get to look behind the clock face and see what's actually going on. And it's not always a pretty sight. So has that, how, has that maybe... Um, changed your practice of Islam or made you look at religious practice in a different way or even to some extent maybe made you lose faith in some things okay and I, you know so I just wondered if you tell us a wee bit about okay. that For, let, let me so it's a big question, but um, yeah. I'll try and answer the best I can and yeah. um, what I would say is first of all um 
psychotherapy or psychoanalyst, yes, when somebody walks in, within, within a few minutes, experience, you, you just, using experience and using your background, you know exactly where the problem lies. Obviously, the persons are not ready for it because they've had it for 15 years, 16 years, two decades or more sometimes, you know, since their childhood, for example. So it can, and, and sometimes it can be very gory, as you quite rightly say. Yeah. It can be, you know, I always remember. And they might not even know what it is that's exactly, going on for them. Exactly. It's something that so they've forgotten to, about. So you have to take them through that process, right? And slowly, slowly chip away, chip away, chip away until the, the, the catharsis occurs, right? Now, catharsis means, what, what does that mean just for a Catharsis, um, so they get that light bulb moment. Right, so okay. Oh, is this the reason why Sudden I've been doing... Discovery. This is the reason why I've been failing in so many relationships. Is this the reason why I've had this over-compulsive disorder? Or is this one of the main reasons why I always did da-da-da-da-da-da, whatever it is, right? So that's really what catharsis is. But one thing I always used to say was that, you know, when you're going through your training, you always learn about um, what you're going to hear and whatever. And you always say, I can imagine, I can imagine. Right, mm. but when you start doing it, what you learn is you can't imagine. Honestly, you can't imagine. Tell me a bit more about that. What do you mean? Oh, well, what I mean that? is, you know, before you, you're sort of like, you know, like a like a, a student, you know, like a yeah. medical student yeah. or a surgeon. You know, you can't wait to go and get yeah. that scalpel yeah. and do yeah. whatever. You're yeah. all excited. You've got the knowledge. You've got the the experience. You've got the qualifications. You want to do, and you know what to expect. But really, when you go and you start going, get thrown into the deep end. What comes out, what unravels, is much more uh, gory, we'll say, sometimes, you know. But you still have to treat them, no matter what it is. Some people come to you because they are an abuser, for example. Yeah. You know, and when I say an abuser of other, you know, of everything, you know, could be anything. Well, th well this is what I, what I meant. I mean, it's, it's, what comes out often isn't that pretty. So you can, have the you can have the most outwardly pious-looking person. And actually, if you put them through the psychotherapy mill... You would find stuff that isn't 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 really all that nice. You you know, and sometimes what what they've gone through is something that's that they've had to almost overcome to become whatever. Absolutely. They are. I mean, it's like when I say, um, obviously we don't want to delve in this too deep, but um, because it's not what the program's about. But you know, really, when somebody when somebody comes, you know, you're going to unravel. You'll know exactly what the problem is, and that individual could be um, someone who's, uh, let's say, a sexual abuser, yeah. or has got tendencies to do yeah, it. Yeah. And by the time you get get in there and you and and you resolve all the issues or help them resolve all the issues. What you actually find was they were pro they are usually more abused than anybody. Than anybody. Right? So that's so now do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, you, you come across a lot of gory stuff. But at the same time, you need to be professional. You need to be diligent. You need to be objective at what you're doing. And you, uh, uh, above all, you need to be detached. And, and is that, I think what I was trying to also get to was, how does that change the way you practice your faith now? Because this is, after all, this is about that. Has that made a difference? Okay. Or is that... If, if I can, if you, if I can, just refine it for myself. Yeah. The question, just to make it easy to answer, not be a politician. And um, what I would say is, um, <clears throat> what I would say is, um, sorry, what was it? Are you, are you? Let's say, are you? Are you more say uh, when you practice faith? Are you? Are you more forgiving of people? Say, for example, um, are you? Or are you? Are you a bit harsher with people because you think you're not gonna? I would say, see a surface veneer. Okay, what I would say is first and foremost, um, in my faith teaches me you, we are in no position to judge anybody. 
alright? We cannot judge anybody. Only our Creator, Allah SWT, can, create, can judge anybody. In therapy, it's the exact same. Mm. However, people judge everybody. You're people right. through society, everybody yeah. sits here, well, he's like this, or she's like yes. this, or da da da. Everybody sits there judging. Maybe small judgments, but there's solid judgment. Mm. I have on my door a Sanskrit prayer, and that prayer is a brass plaque, and it reads, Today I shall judge nothing that occurs. Full stop. That's a reminder to me as well. Let me yes, also add. Yeah. All right, to me as well, as well as it for my patients. Now, when my patients come up and they read that in the pl uh, that plaque on the door before they enter into the consulting room, they say, "Today I shall judge nothing that of course I am not going to judge them." And it means it helps me, helps me, and helps them to get to the root causes much, much quicker. Mm, okay. And it does not conflict. It, there's no conflict between. What I do and my Islam, if anything, I would say it amplifies my, my faith because, you know, we're going out there to heal, in, heal, heal individuals. I'm going to, I hope you don't mind me asking you also, uh, getting onto a completely different tack. Um, I, I've noticed you, I have a lot of friends of mine, you always seem to have a lot of energy. You're always running around and you're doing various things. And then I uh, remember I got, um, one of my passions, uh, which you got into was a, a martial art called Hapkido, which involves a lot of, sort of being thrown around and twisting joint locks. And I thought, how does this guy get the time to do all this stuff? So like, I suppose I've got to ask you, where do you get all your energy from? Okay, energy. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of it is, um, I mean, like, I mean, I, I just apply myself and the energy yeah. comes, right? Yeah. MBO, management by objective, I'm a great believer of that, right? Mm. Focus on objective at hand and focus it and get on with it, right? And if I turn to uh, the Hapkido thing, I mean, I, when I came along to the Hapkido class, what I noticed, it was an absolute great stress buster for me. Mm -hmm. That's what lured me into yeah. it. It was an intelligent form of martial art. And um, so that really, really sort of gave me that wee sort of buzz as well. So I certainly enjoyed closing the clinic, grab yeah. my stuff, come down, uh, great stress buster for me, and it was physical as well, and I learned something from it, and then enjoyed this sort of intelligent form of martial art. What, was this the sort of like, you know, you got the mind-body-spirit connection? Was this kind of like the, the, body, the body connection for you, well, or that end of the triangle? I would have said, yeah, mind, body and spirit, the holistic approach, definitely. But it also gave me that sort of inner harmony. It gave me that inner balance, I would have said. Okay, mashallah. Um, I, you know, with um, the thing about journey to success and anybody who achieves success, what people often, people often look at the, 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 the success element of it, the accolades, when they get the, the rewards and all that kind of thing. But usually to get to that stage, there's always obstacles to get over and overcome. And and I hope you don't mind me saying that. I know that in your personal life, there have been some obstacles. Um, and I, I was I knew that you did a lot of work with the disabled um, uh, community and, and the disabled children. And I'm sure that that came out of you know, some of the, your own experiences, because you've got a child who has a very rare condition called Angelman syndrome. And it's something that um, most people won't know about, but I believe it's a developmental disorder. Um, it's quite rare. 
is that how have you managed to cope with that because I know for some people you know coping with something like that would be quite difficult Okay, let me start with the aspect of success. First of all, I don't, I don't accept one minute that I have been successful in my life, right? I really, really don't. I've applied myself diligently. I've worked hard. I believe that everybody should work hard and do what they believe in. I'm a great believer of you must find what your core potential is. Everyone has a purpose and we need to live that purpose, right? My purpose my purpose, my purpose is to get the best out of others. So if I'm working with somebody that's ill, I have to get the best out of them, get them to eradicate um, what they're carrying, what neurosis they're carrying, whatever they've got. My job is to get rid of that and then I, I feel better for that. Also, I also have, have another uh, aspect of my life is that I have to touch again, I'm doing it when, when, mm -hmm. when I'm a patient, I have to touch as many lives before I leave this dunya. All right, mm. and that is to get the best out of individuals, right? Yeah. As long as people are living their purpose, their true potential, they will be happy, they'll be content. I'm a great believer of this, right? So, um, the, yeah, so that's well, to me, that uh, I know you're, you're, you're being sort of uh, humble and gracious about it, and, uh, and nobody wants to see themselves as successful in the sense that you know. It's not about having the a big fancy car and a big fancy house and and having all the material trappings. But I suppose you your definition of success is like you said to have as big an impact on the people around you in the most positive way before you are yeah, held good. accountable. Absolutely, absolutely. So that, it goes back to the whole Islamic, really the basic. But, but also, but, idea but, it's, of, but it's not only. You remember it's, it, it, is it Islamic? Of course it's Islamic. Is it humanitarian? Of course it's humanitarian. Is it psychological? Yes, it's psychological. The more you delve into it, the more you'll find it. Is it spiritual? Yes, it is. Is it Sufism? Yes, it is. The more topic you bring up, the more you'll find it. But all you need to do is get down to it, right? So I'm a, I'm a great believer of, for example, like um, ships are meant for sailing, planes are meant for flying, and man was engineered for success. Simple mm -hmm. as that. Man was engineered for, engineered for success, and it's imperative that we get individuals to be successful and and the way we do that is to find out what talents they have got what attributes they have got what qualities have they got and we get assist them to get them out and that is part of that is is in in service service of your mankind mm. okay now to get back to your um <laughs> uh, your thing about angel syndrome sin yes sorry. i wanted to know about that because that's okay. obviously angel big... syndrome is something uh, i mean I don't, you mean, you're a g you're a well doctor, believe you're... it or not it's a very rare condition and is actually it, most gps themselves probably don't know, know about, about it about yeah. i know i actually did, i did a lot of reading on it right yeah. um at one point in my life right um for obvious reasons but but one child um different factors i mean some say one in twenty thousand child is born with it one and other factors say one in ten thousand is a uh, have the have it but anyway unfortunately if someone has it they have it that's what it is now in my case uh, it was my son adam right he he was born with it nobody knew what was wrong with him it took several weeks took many years to find out exactly it's not easily diagnosed yes either. That's but right. um having having said that it you know it's uh, it's it can be it can be quite quite difficult it can be very demanding it can be very challenging because it's mentally, physically, and emotionally, as you, as you can appreciate, right? And what, so what does that actually involve? Is it? Is well, it a... for 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 different for different children, it has different. Some will walk. Some won't walk. For example, in my case, Adam doesn't walk. Right? Other other children will start to walk, and then they can't walk, and so on. Other people, they get one of the problems with it is is sleep problems, sleep issues, yeah. right? And um, feeding issues is another big one with it. All right. So it can be very very demanding for for people around. 
especially for the parents as yeah. well. Um, also, their attention span, you know, they, it can yeah. be difficult yeah. as well. They, 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 and don't get me wrong, they've got lovely qualities about them yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, they love people, love noise, they love children, they love to be, be, they love people to speak to them, they love music. So there's a lot of different things. But I, 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 I mean, I, I remember doing a show for Nina of, on radio on disability. And, you know, I'm a great believer of them. Um, that, you know, any household that does have a disabled child there, male or female, doesn't matter, and is a total, total blessing, right? Mm. Now, we have Hadiths on this mm -hmm. as well, right? I'm not going to go into the Hadiths on it. Um, I'm sure people know it. But um, um, but one thing is there is there's total, total burkut. Anybody who has a child of that nature, of, of, of any description, who is dis disabled mentally, physically, or whatever, they, that household will be blessed while they are there. And and I think you know it's important for the, the listeners to 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 learn this and not look upon this as a burden, but to to per, to perceive it and conceive it as a blessing. Mashallah, because um, obviously that's a different attitude that sometimes people have had back home in Pakistan or or even India. Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, this is what we um, what we found was a lot of people were not taking their children out because they were ashamed. Mm -hmm. And I would be saying to to parents out there, do not do not. Uh, be ashamed. Mm. You've got nothing to be ashamed about. Yeah. Something you should be proud of. Yes, and and you've done quite a bit of work um, in terms of bringing this issue out into the community. Well, yes, we've done it in radio. We've done many shows. I even did some work in. Um, did, uh, I used to host the the parents uh, committee at one of the disabled schools, and we did, even did a party there. And alhamdulillah, with the party that we did, <laughs> oh, it rocked. It was actually a lap party, and the school won an award from it as well in the back of it. So yeah. it was very assuring because we had all other faiths here as well. So it was very interfaith, multi-faith as well. And we had all the heads there as well with the politicians there. We had all the, the church leaders there. The, you know, the, uh, we had the rabbis there and everything. So it, was, it turned Mashallah. out really well. Well, that, that brings me nicely to some of the work that you do in terms of your Islamic work and what I've noticed about your Islamic work is it's all very practical it's not theoretical and it's certainly about bringing different faith communities together so I, I, I think one of the first things that I remember um, that I saw you doing got involved with was the, the clean up that you did at this local cemetery and the interesting thing was um, it wasn't about cleaning up the Muslim cemetery but what you did was you actually got muslims to clean up the jewish cemetery which i thought was actually a, a genius idea um so did, what, how did that all come about okay um i would go to uh, my dad's grave uh, in the, at the cemetery and what i'd noticed that the place was terrible it was mm. abysmal there was litter lying around yeah. there was uh, dead flowers lying around there was Oh, it was just a mess, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, plainness is godliness, as yeah. you can appreciate. It's biblical as well as Quranic. And um, so for that, you know, I wanted to do something about it. So I went to the mosque and they gave me the runaround. I went, they blamed the council. I went to the council. They blamed the families. I went to, you know, it was past the buck syndrome. Right, okay, okay. So finally I went to the mosque and I had it out with them. And um, you know, I wasn't really getting anywhere. And they were saying, you know, this young lady, you know, in sort of, the word they use was dafakar, you know. Dafakar, I know, you know. Oh, at, at, at the powers that be, the, the powers that be, yeah. Right? So Central like, mosque. Right, so, um, so I wouldn't say obviously which mosque. Okay, okay, uh, sorry. Yeah. I, I just assumed that. Yeah, uh, so whatever mosque it was, right. But anyway, some individuals, so I was like, okay. So, but what the good thing was, I managed to lure them and I said, right, okay, if you're not going to do anything about it, right, 
I, I'm going to do, do you have any objection? They said no, and I said, well, I'll give it to me in writing. So I got it in writing from them, and uh, I got it in writing from the council as well, that I could go in there with my volunteers, and um, with my band of merry men, we'll say, mm -hmm. and go in there and um, clean the place up and wash down the gravestones mm -hmm, and everything mm -hmm, else. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what I did do. I, I, I hired water bowsers, I got leaflets printed out, I galvanised the community, and we washed down every gravestone. No, and sorry. it was amazing. And I remember it had never no, been sorry. cleaned out ever, and we pulled out like 40 black bags of rubble and rubbish and everything else, washed all the gravestone. And, and I'll never forget this, I'll remember this for as long as I live. I remember at the end up, it was like, it was it was a lovely it was a lovely sunshine uh, evening. The time was maybe five o'clock, six o'clock, and it was everybody had left, and there was maybe just a few women reading Quran, scattered about. And I remember the image I seen in uh, with my eyes. The the cobblestone was so bright and clean and vivid. The colours were so bright, and I'd never seen anything like this in my life before. It was like a spiritual experience. And as I say, I hold on to that to this day. That experience that I had in the cobblestone that day of just seeing what I seen that day. Mashallah, that's, a, that's quite beautiful actually. And then, but this was the Muslim cemetery you're talking about. Yeah, so that was my first the, one was, yeah, was the Muslim, Muslim cemetery. Yeah. And then from there, that sort of opened doors and people saying you need to go to the other cemetery and clean that. And then you need, and there's a Jewish cemetery there as well. And then we cleaned up this Jewish cemetery as well. And again, we got the Jewish, uh, I had a lot of, uh, uh, I had a lot of good contacts in the Jewish community, right? And um, so I, they 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 came as well, and they helped clean the, the Muslim cemetery cemetery as well, which was great as well. So that's that's how it all sort of came. And what, into what did they make of that? They were fantastic. I mean, I still have great links with them, you know. I mean, they didn't think it was unusual that Muslims are cleaning up the Jewish cemetery, or no? They loved they loved the thought. I remember one of their. Um, I mean, I, I, they wanted to wine and dine me as well. And one of their top men came up from London as well. So he flew up. Sure because you remember, yeah. that, um, from what I remember, the Sandy Mount Cemetery Jewish section had experienced £240,000 worth of vandalism. Really? Back then. So for somebody to come along and start cleaning it up, especially a Muslim uh, glass region, it was a big thing for the Jewish community as well. Mashallah. That's. Uh, I mean. I mean. I certainly. I often think that some of the things that the Jewish community have undergone, that we should take lessons from them, because there's things that we'll probably experience ourselves if we haven't already. I. I, I mean. Um, some. Uh, quite a few of my patients are Jewish, and mm. you know they even gave me a Torah and presented it to me, and they had to get the the rabbi, and then they wrote a lovely inscription, and that still sits in my clinic. Mashallah. That's great. Um, and it's great to hear more of these kind of events happening where people are coming together. But, you know, I know just from the time that I've known you that that's not the first, the only thing you've done. And I, when I was looking at some of the other social activities or community projects you've done, it's literally like a list. <laughs> it's like a couple of A4 sheets. So I, I'm going to touch on some of them but, because... But remember, uh, yeah. see, you, you've got to remember, I've got to lead the way. Yeah. I've got to lead the way, and if I lead the way, and, lead, and the best way to lead the way is by example. Mm -hmm. That is the best way. Yeah. If we want results for our community, don't talk about it. Don't sit there and talk about it and bl and use the blame game. Yeah. Do it. Action is the key. The greatest thing is action and the key. If you want to be successful in your life, you just look in the mirror every single night and say to yourself, action is the key, action is the key. Action is a key, and you will find yourself taking appropriate action. Yeah. You know, that's the key. So our message to the young team is, 
action is the key. Don't sit around when you when when they, when you get knocked knocked in the head again and again and again knocked down. You know, still you got to keep coming. I've been to, I have encountered so much resistance in the work that I have done. You have no idea. Well, th this is the thing. I mean, but, the, but again, the hadith on it is yes. it means it's accepted. Okay, <laughs> really? Yeah, because, because the ruling on it is that we look at our holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Did he not experience resistance when mm. he brought down a new faith, yeah. a new God? Everybody was saying, "Hang on a minute, we, we've got our own God. Why should we believe in your God and so much?" But uh, so the amount of resistance our holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam encountered and experienced. So at the same time, when you do something good and you encounter the resistance and you experience that resistance, depending depending on how vehement it is, you know it's going to be accepted. So, inshallah. So, so that that's a that brings an interesting point that I would say part of this journey to success is. Don't be afraid of resistance. Expect resistance. Uh, Expect that people are going to say, it, you can't do this, you can't do that. If you if you get no resistance and you're thinking to myself, I'm sailing on this. Every time I've done something and the resistance hasn't come, that hasn't come, it hasn't come. And, and I know what to expect. It's a biggie. Okay? A biggie's going to come. You need mm. to be very, very careful of this. So you need to be ready for it. Okay? Don't think for one minute it's going to be all, it's going to be... Plain sailing, it's not. Uh, that is, uh, that's what they say, isn't it? That, you know, don't expect to live in this world and not be tested. There will be tests and you've got to expect that. And you've got to overcome those tests to reach your final goal. And, you know, although we say journey to success, and for some people that might mean making more money, getting that job, getting uh, that kind of accolade. But at the end of the day, the real success is successful our successful akhira. Yeah. So what we do in this dunya is amplified in the hereafter. What we do in the, this is our preparing ground. This is our test. We have to prepare for our akhirat. Remember what the akhirat is. The hereafter is eternal bliss. Eternal bliss. And that's what we should be focusing on. That should be our overall objective. Yeah, buy that house. Yeah, buy that big house. Yeah, go and make a lot of money. Yeah, whatever makes you, you know, there's nothing wrong with job satisfaction. Go for it, go for it, I'm all for it. I would, I, would, I would never discourage anybody from that. But at the same time, always focus on, does this please my creator or does this displease my creator? If it pleases your creator, alhamdulillah, don't let wild horses hold you back. Well, um, alhamdulillah, that probably is a great place to stop. Although I do want to ask you just about a few of the other projects that you had on, and I, one one project that I um, thought was fantastic was uh, the idea of sending somebody on a hudge, mm -hmm. and you started that off. So maybe just tell us a little bit about that. Right. Okay. Um, um, what what it was was I used to do a TV show, mm -hmm. uh, and I used to travel to to London to to do the TV show. The way that the TV show was the way the TV show was done um, was I used to look in the Islamic calendar, me and my co-presenter in the Islamic calendar, and we used to we used to see what was coming up. So if it was Ramadan, we'd do the Ramadan show. If it was Eid, we'd do the Eid show. If it was Hajj, we'd do the Hajj show, and so on. So what happened was Hajj was coming up, and we decided to uh, to do a Hajj show. And what we wanted to do was give it a wee twist to it. We want to give it a USP as if to say, right? A unique selling point. Absolutely, yeah. right? So we wanted to give it that we sort of wow factor, right? So that's how we came up with the idea about sending somebody for Hajj. Mm. And that's how it 
it mm -hmm, first came. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and, and alhamdulillah, we raised the funds on the show. We sent somebody after that. We did it again and again. So we did it many times after that. And uh, that, that's how uh, sending somebody in Hajj, actually, that, that, that was how uh, and, it came. And, and where, where does the money come for, for this? Because, I mean, the Hajj is not cheap nowadays. Well, that's right. The way the, mo the money used to come, either we used to raise it on TV or we used to raise it, uh, people used to, you know, do use social media and text and whatever we had in these days. And um, that used to come that way. And other times I've had other people coming up to me and they would give me the money and they would want to sponsor some. So I, uh, another story that springs to mind was a woman wanted to see me. And um, when I went to her, she said that she had lost her, her daughter who had never did the, the Hajj. So she wanted to sponsor somebody mm. to go for a Hajj. So I made the arrangements. We sent somebody and... That was it. it. Was we sent an eighty-year-old man to go for Hajj? He'd never been before, and you know it was amazing. It was you know it was a great story, and mm -hmm. um, very spiritual, and that was it. And then a few, and then just recently, I think it was last year, two years ago. Yeah, I think it was two years ago. I got a call from one of my friends that um, his grandmother had passed away, mm -hmm. and when I went round and sorted out all the the Janaza arrangements, and mm. um, I found out that was the woman who gave me the money to send her daughter on Hajj. And her, and her own children didn't even know about it. They wow. didn't even know about it, and it only came to light when I went in there to sort out So, I mean, things are always connected in ways you can't often imagine when you start out. We all walk on the same ground, we all eat the same food, we all mm. breathe the same air, we all drink the same water. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about Dinazi, I mean, we didn't... I mean, you've done so much in terms of community activities that I hadn't even got onto the what people know you so well for now which is actually your work with janazas and when people die and end of care like when when you know because i now expect when someone passes away i'm going to get a text from rizzy so i mean that i mean that's quite although i'm now get i notice i get texts from other people now mm. but i think you're probably the first one that i think started that whole social activity of that community activity yeah, of and then again, community I, service i would say yeah and then again i got, i had resistance there with that as well oh really yeah yeah but anyway I mean, why would you have resistance <laughs> to that of you're course. providing a service uh the answer to that question um is jealousy yeah right okay <laughs> right well it's an interesting thing isn't it our Envy. community yeah. uh you know is it it, it, it does come up and let's be we, human beings and and the idea of jealousy and envy and so-and-so's doing better or getting the limelight does come up and and is that something that i mean obviously that's something you say did come up and did, how did that manifest in this oh, i think that's it i mean the, 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 the point is you, it is part of the resistance yes you're going to get it just like we spoke earlier okay, right and wherever it comes from but you should be smart enough you should be alert enough you should be in touch with yourself that you know why is this individual trying to stop me from doing this, mm. right? And then you and and the the equation or the answer to that is you should be saying, okay, should I listen to this elder or should I listen to this individual who's got that position with such and such um, uh, organization, for example, or should I do for what is true to myself and true to my creator? That's well, it. Now that's a that's a that's another point about you know success is that you do have to listen to yourself as well. You have to have trust in yourself and actually listen to that inner feeling inside that you want to do. Well, human beings are dihedral, which mm. means that we're two sides. We're outside, we're external as well as internal. When your internal dialogue says, do it, do it, do it, 
you do it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is closer to you than your jugular vein. Your mm -hmm. heart is telling you to do something, you do it without any hesitation. If your heart says to you, don't do it, you never do it. Simple mm -hmm. as that. Listen to yourself. Never mind who's around you. Doesn't matter. Even if it's your wife, your partner, whoever, you listen to yourself. Listen to your inner self. And uh, when it comes to with the whole issues with Janazi, obviously now I notice there was a time when you'd hear of a Janazi once a week, once a month or something. It feels now as if my phone's going off all the time. You know, like you know, two or three times a week at least. In fact, every day there's another Janazi and then another message coming through. Um, but I, I notice that the messages are coming through from different areas. Is that something that you feel good about? That this is something that... Yeah, People are taking on now. Of course, of course, alhamdulillah. You know, you've got to remember, uh, that's what I want. That's exactly mm. what I want. What I want is to create a couple of legends in our community. If we can create a couple of legends uh, in our community that are, that are unstoppable, that are working for the right reasons, for the right cause, for doing for a passion, for, for the love of our deen, for the love of our our uh, our Prophet for their love of their Creator, Alhamdulillah. If we can get a few of these in our community, could you imagine the dynamos they would become? Could you imagine the mountains that they can move? Can you imagine the faith that they will have? That's what we want. Mashallah. Well, look, uh, Rizzi, thank you for speaking to me today. I think I've been speaking to at least one of those legends, and Inshallah. I, said, I hope that this has in, uh, inspired some people to, to take on some of your examples and, to, and, and produce some more. Uh, I think uh, you've been a, a very good example of someone. I know you want to say it yourself, who's made a success. And as I said, the, the, the ultimate success is our success in the Akhra. And inshallah, I pray that uh, all of your good deeds and all your community work is, is taken as, uh, as acceptable collateral for that. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you, my brother. Asalaamu Alaikum. Wa Alaikum For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.